Welcome to NFT, I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy. Really excited to get into this episode with good friend of the podcast, Adam Fish. We are going to be talking through uh, an interesting theory uh, that, that Adam posited while on one of our last uh, Scambusters Twitter spaces of the season, uh, where, where basically Adam is going to posit that in the future, um, it may not be possible for teams and projects to mint uh, at a cost other than zero. And so we have a conversation on, to, on to why that may be the case. Uh, but I think you're going to find this one really interesting. Adam is always a great guest and, uh, again, a good friend of the podcast. So let's take a, a quick uh, announcement from our partners, VinoVest, and we'll jump into it with Adam Fish. Here we go. Fine wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem? Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra-wealthy. VinoVest is changing that. If you know me, you know I'm always looking for the next big player in the industry. I was amazed at how easy it was to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. Wine has one-third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years with 10.6% annualized returns, proving that the returns can be as robust as your favorite red. VinoVest makes it easy to acquire new investments equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell, and even drink them whenever you want. Go to zen.ai slash nfteach to receive two months of fee-free investing on VinoVest. Be sure to mention that NFT is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. Joining me on the Aspen NFT Spotlight guest line, whatever you want to call it, long time friend of the podcast, we one of the back. longest time friends of the podcast yes sir mr adam fish fish good afternoon to you how are you today good afternoon you know what it is a it is a cloudy day in toronto but uh but i am always excited to see your beautiful face i'm always excited to catch up and chat and uh let's get into it yeah let's do it so you know there, there are moments of of just brilliance or moments uh, that, that things just click for me and I just sort of have like a holy shit moment. Uh, one of those. Another example of this was when I was at NFT NYC and I saw grown men screaming at the TV when Zed Run races were on. And I went, <laughs> oh man, this gaming thing is real. Like they don't care that it's not real. This is men at a bar watching a virtual horse race screaming at the top of their lungs. Yep. So I've had these sort of signals and moments before where like things just sort of go, oh man, there's something to this. Like, let me stay here. And this goes back to uh, Aspen Scambusters that you were on with me, where you were on stage and you were talking about um, th this idea of mint price. And and since then, we've seen Pixelmon. I think Pixelmon happened. No, it ha Pixelmon happened right before this. It did. Yes. And, we were and, talking about that. That's right. Yeah. And and we're talking about the Kevin memes. And, and you had some thoughts around the future of NFT projects and the future of Mint. And I just wanted to try to re-encapsulate that conversation for the audience today because there weren't many people in that Twitter space. So, I mean, I'm, I'm teeing it up for you there, man. Uh, 
sure. where do you want to start? Yeah, look, I, I think mint prices are, it's a great topic. You know, early, early on in my NFT journey, sort of going back to early 2021, um, the thing to do was bonding curves, right? So, so a mint would start at a low price and then the longer you waited to mint, the more expensive it was. And I think it was pretty common for the end of the bonding curve to be, you know, half an ETH or even an ETH, or I think even two ETH in, in some cases. Um, and the idea was to incentivize people to, to mint early and, uh, you know, Bored Apes, one, one of the reasons that they sort of stood, stood out was they came out and said, bonding curves are a Ponzi. Everything is 0.08. And obviously, you know, after their success, as often happens, you know, uh, imitations is a serious form of flattery. And so 0.08 sort of became the default mint price for every project and you know the, there have been uh, not every project has done this um and we've seen you know different formats and dutch auctions and things like that but i would say if you ask someone who's gotten into nfts over the last six to 12 months sort of what is the typical mint price they'd probably say 0.08 and you know i i just think that it's not sustainable i think Every sellout at, at 0.08 is 800 ETH out of the ecosystem. And I think we have seen time and time again that there are many projects that do little to nothing with that money. I mean, it's, you know, ETH is, is right around $3,000 today. So you're talking about $2.4 million for a sellout. And that's money that is out of the ecosystem that somebody worked hard for at some point. And, you know, a lot of people have built some great things, no question. And a lot of people have just built joke projects and taken that money and ran. And I just think that that's not sustainable. And I think it's going to contribute to a lot of long-term dysfunction in NFTs. And, and this happened coming off the heels of an interview I did with NFT Ethics, where they the term that they refer to is they call it mint millions. And, and their perspective was, what in the hell are these guys building that that would say that these anon undoxed people should be given uh you know millions of USD worth of ETH to build anything and that and that you know these guys can chalk it up as a failed business project and in the in the meantime this liquidity is just getting sucked out of the marketplace so if if we look at this mint structure right now uh, especially while we're sort of in in you know bear market land, um, we've seen uh, I've seen some projects that should have shut down mint not shut down mint. And I think it's one that we're both involved that I have in mind right now. Uh, recent project I've seen projects be a bit overzealous and letting the mint go on too long. And you know I guess like that is a market like response to a project. But I just wonder, like, what the way forward is then to sort of, you know, uh, create value for people within the space and create like a, 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 a sustainable mint structure. Yeah, I and mean, I, I think it's I think it's a fair question to ask because you know we we want this space to grow, we want this space to be healthy, we want new people to come on board and discover NFTs and have them be affordable and you know all, all that good stuff. Um, but I think as long as you have these anonymous teams and and there's been 
you know, lots of Twitter threads around that have pointed to, you know, repeat actors that basically get a project hyped up, collect the min- millions, rug it, and then launch something else the next week. And, you know, these people have made millions upon millions of dollars. And I think this is sort of the, you know, the NFT equivalent of pets.com, right? It's all of these companies in the dot-com bubble that raised millions and billions of dollars uh, with no viable business model because they, you know, just were whatever regular business on the internet and all of a sudden everyone was throwing money at them. And as it turns out, even online, you need a viable business model. So, you know, most of those died. Some of them became eBay and Amazon and Google and, and right, real now titans of, of the industry. Um, but with NFTs, you know, the difference is that in a lot of cases, there is no reputation, right? So you can just pick up and do it again next week, next month, whatever. Um, I think a lot of smart people have been trying to warn new collectors that, hey, don't just throw money at an anonymous team that's not docs. You don't know who they are. They don't have a track record. You know, I think there's in some cases, there's good reason for not revealing your identities. And that's fine. And obviously, you know, board apes were anonymous for the first eight months of their existence and it worked out fine for them. But I think as this space matures and professionalizes, we're going to see an expectation that, hey, if I'm going to give my money to this team, I, I need to know who this is and what they're planning to do with it. And so I think rather than an expectation of mint cost being 0.08, I think what we should see or what I hope and kind of expect to see going forward is that expected mint cost going forward is going to be zero. And the only times that it deviates from that is if there's a real legit team saying, hey, here's who we are. Here's our business plan. Here's what we need this money for upfront. Here's why we need this today to get started on whatever it is, on the game, on the, you know, on the, the site that we're on this new project that we're going to build that no one's ever done before. Here's why we need it up front. And for everyone else, I think it should be, Hey, the, you know, we put this art together in a few hours, we're charging you nothing and we're going to make money on secondary sales. And we're going to have enough faith in this project that if, if we deliver, then we'll have more money to work with. Do you think that we're going to, you know, like there are really hyped projects and I would say for like every uh, five hyped projects that come out. One of them has blue chip potential post mint and the rest are sort of like jokes. They become instant memes or instant jokes. Like mm-hmm. we can go with, with Mecca, we can go with Pixelmon and then sure. you have invisible friends. That's actually done pretty well, you know, like, so, so there are these exceptions to the rule, but I just wonder, do you think you're going to see a mega hyped project? At what point in time does a mega hyped project go for a zero mint? Do you like, do you, is there like a date in mind that you think that's actually possible to happen? Yeah, I, it's, I think it's unlikely because, you know, when there's that much hype, it's, it's hard to resist the cash grab, you know, for, for anybody. I mean, for any, if, if you knew that this thing was going to sell out, if you charged, you know, 0.1, let's say, and you had the opportunity to collect a thousand ETH upfront and, Someone said, hey, you should charge nothing instead. It's pretty hard to turn that down. It's hard to turn down $3 million in your pocket. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. But my hope is that that these hype projects 
become less frequent because it really, I mean, you know, we talk about these projects being hyped and more often than not, really what we're talking about is market manipulation. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, right? that's, that's a good point. That That's where a lot of it is coming from. So my hope is that the more mature this market gets, the harder it is to manipulate. And so you won't see these hype projects unless it really is something of like, I don't know, I, I can't even think of what it would be that would cause some legitimate hype. But if it was, I don't know, let's say, uh, I'm trying to think of a billionaire who people don't hate, but I'm struggling with it. But I don't know, let's say that, that, um, that Sam Blankman Freed from, from FTX was like, I'm launching this project. And for some reason he wasn't funding it himself. Or he said, I'm putting in 3 million of my own dollars and I want $3 million from the community. So I'm going to match what everyone else is paying for this mint. And so, you know, and, and this is what I'm going to build and here's where the money is going to go. And, you know, I think that that might be a situation where it's like, okay, that that hype is warranted, right? Like this is someone who's really successful, who people like, who is going to do something cool and different in the space. Like, okay, well, then I'll pay for that. But otherwise, it's like, what are you paying? Like, ultimately, most of these projects, you know, we sort of joke about like, oh, we're flipping JPEGs. But like most of these projects, that literally is all we're doing. Like, yeah, that's and, it. And, oh man, it sounds so absurd when you say it out loud, Fish. Um, like you're right, and you know, I think that to you, you know, you mentioned like what what is it going to take for someone to do a free mint that's like of a really high project? Like a lot of belief and conviction to not take that easy money. And I think similarly, it's going to take the market to sort of be more selective, not just because there's no liquidity, but even if there is liquidity, like people are going to have to be more educated and be more selective and not be desperate because, you know, from doing scam busters for the first season, the thing that I've learned more than anything is that scams happen when people are off, you know, off their mark, uh, making an emotional decision or desperate. These yep. are the three sort of veins where these mistakes come from. And yep. so. And it, um, and it happens to lots of smart people, right? Like yes, none of us, 100%. none of us is is too smart or too experienced for it to happen to. So, so I guess I just wonder is like, what do you think it's going to take for consumer behavior to change? We talked about what it would take for like the creator behavior to change, but what do you think the 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 like perfect storm to get consumers to be more cautious about what their minting would be? Well, I think if you look at traditional markets, these things go in cycles. Right. So it, it you go from extreme fear to extreme greed and it's not you don't go to extreme fear and then you're there forever. So these things go in cycles. So, you know, right now and sort of for the last year, we've been in extreme greed mode. Um, I think at some point we'll have a real washout, a real NFT winter and, you know, there won't be any liquidity and projects won't sell out and most projects will lose most or all of their value. And then we'll be in extreme fear. And then, you know, scammers are going to be less interested in, in starting up new projects because they're not sell no one's buying them. Right. And, and you're going to see probably some really good deserving projects that don't get off the ground because there just isn't any money to be found. And that's what happens in recessions, right? That there are, you know, valuable cash generating companies that get destroyed with everybody else in the dot-com bubble, right? Like, eBay, Amazon, those stocks got hammered with all of the 
garbage companies because the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater. Um, but you know, so I, I think, I think that'll make consumers smart for a while. And then I think probably things will turn around and things will get better again. And then people will get stupid. Be again. dumb again. Yeah. So I, I just sent in the chat to you, Adam, a project. I'm not going to name it by names. You see it? Yeah. I do. My question is that project. Um, this is a project that launched in that 0.08 mint range, didn't sell out. Yep. Do you think that was a result of liquidity? Because I I felt like the project and the art, the lore was all it ticked all the boxes for me, but it didn't it it didn't mint out. And I'm just curious from your perspective, is it is it more with some of these projects I actually feel like they have promise? Like another one that I would say is is Wanderers. Wanderers mm. floor forever has been 0.3. I mean, it, it, and, and they, all they do is deliver amazing shit all the time. Every experience that they provide is like just done exceptionally well. So it's like, so it's like trying to understand, you know, how the Kevin meme rips, but then wanders doesn't is just like my like afternoon or my evening wine conversation with myself. I'm just like, how does this work? And how do these market dynamics work? It's market manipulation. That's it. I, I think I think the level of manipulation in the NFT market is far greater than anyone's willing to admit. That's the truth. I believe. I think it's just I think there are whales that move markets and and buying groups that move markets. And I think if they don't if, if your project isn't on their radar, it does not matter how good your project is. I think the board apes were a perfect storm where you had some big names, right? You had like Pranksy was in early, Dingling was in early. You had some big names that were buying and tweeting about the project that it it generated enough excitement to get off the ground. And then as it turned out, it was this great combination of hype with the best team in the business. And that's how you get, right? The, the best project right now, like the, you know, the best project to have owned over the last year. Um, but for for a lot of other projects, and I can appreciate that as a as a builder it would be really frustrating. Where like, I know there are projects that have been really good. The project that that you referred to uh, a minute ago to me is one that you know the the Genesis project has been around for I don't know six months, eight months. They've been building, they've been delivering, and you know it, there's there's nothing there's nothing to put you know Pixelmon ahead of this project. That's other, my point. Other than it had a bunch of hype, right? And and for most people in this space, they people are buying if they think they can sell it for more tomorrow. And I don't mean tomorrow in the metaphorical sense. I mean literally, literally tomorrow. Tomorrow, right? Yep. So so when when you're looking at it on a one day time horizon, then hype is really all that matters. Um. So you know the the quality of the project really doesn't matter to you. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people that are doing those daily flips, um, a lot of them have done well. And, I, you know, I, I don't I don't wish anyone ruin, but I expect that when a real bear market comes, I think a lot of those people are going to get slapped in the face. And I, I I tweeted something about this recently, but I think a lot of people um, who have over the past year in NFTs come to think of themselves as very smart and insightful are going to find at some point that as it turns out, they had no idea what they were doing all along. 
Yeah, well, we've heard the Gary V. Ninety nine percent of projects are going to go to zero conversation, yeah. uh, but it, it it is kind of like a. a like a, a kite getting off the ground some of these projects like sure. you know you you're running fast and you're throwing it hard but the wind just doesn't grab it at that moment and so it just falls right back down to the ground yeah. uh and and i think like this idea of zero mint uh what I attribute the Adam fish zero mint theory. Um, so when you're on with captain in the morning, you can refer to it as that. It's that that's I how, it, I, it's how I, I'm sure someone on. smarter than me had said it first, but, uh, but no, I no, 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 no. Not that I know of. So as far as I'm concerned, it's not derivative. It is, right. it is the at, original. At least word. around here. It's mine. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think that, um, and we've had conversations about this. Uh, I remember being on the rooftop in Manhattan talking to you about like the gaming space and how how likely is it that people can build these games they promise. And and I think it's the same sort of thing. If you're yeah. building a AAA game, I understand why you're trying to raise $8 million because right. it costs a ton of money to make a AAA game, yeah. probably well more than $8 million. Uh, so, so yeah, I think like the question of what are you building is right. a question that we're not often asking enough. And instead, it's more of a question of what can I make from this? Right. And, and and that's driving the market. Well, and I, I think you're you're exactly right. And I think, you know, the idea of building a game is a great example, right? Where if you're if you're telling me you're gonna build a AAA game, right? At, at this point, right, so many projects have, have promised games and you know, it hasn't really been delivered yet. Obviously, these things take time, so we don't know what the future will be, but you know, already I think we've seen a lot of projects that kind of abandoned it and whatever. Like it's hard. It's hard, right? Not, not building a, a great popular video game is really hard, which is why basically nobody can do it reliably, right? Like Rockstar Games is a unicorn that way, that like almost all of their games are successful and popular. Um, for anyone else, like even even a professional game studio can put millions of dollars into a game that just whiffs. Cyberpunk 2077, point in case. Like everyone yeah. hyped that game up and people were furious when it came out. It didn't Yeah, need it. although I've heard since the patches it's better. But Yeah, it, yeah, I've case. heard the same. Um but but yeah, I mean that, you know, when it came out, yeah, it was there was a lot of fud for sure. But you know, yeah, I think if you're going to want to build a game, it's it's I think I'll feel like the NFT space is is in a good place where when a project isn't just going to say hey this is on our roadmap we're going to build a game but a project instead says hey here's who we are here's our background in gaming here are the people that that we want to bring on board to build this game and their experience building games and this is what the money is going to be for and then okay well you can either believe that they're going to execute or not i mean at that point you know, it's, it's basically, you know, I know we're, you know, we're not talking about securities and whatever, but, you know, at that point, it's almost like a venture capital thing, right? Like it's, a, it's almost an angel investment and it's a, it's a web three version, but it's basically like, do you believe in this team or not? Yeah. I mean, yes. Do you believe in this team or not? And again, when that question becomes more important than can I make money from this? Do I think right. I can make money from this? Maybe we'll see a, a a sea change there, but the 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 sort of idea, I, like what you described, though, is that you know I, I, there's two play to earn, play and earn gaming scenarios that pop in my projects. Sappy Seals are one that didn't have uh, a game ready at launch, but the Pixelverse was ready shortly thereafter, 
and and it's playable and it and it's built like not as like a pure game but it's like you can it's sort of like a buildable world where you can customize your own rooms and play arcade games with your friends it's fun it's it's fine it's playable yeah and nifty league obviously the the passion the project i'm most passionate about built the game at launch but you know that is a real rare thing that that happens and so yeah who the team is and do you trust them to build what they say they're going to build that has to become the predominant question that people are trying to answer within the market. And I think for smart people that, that is, that is, but you know, there's a lot of liquidity tied to dumb people too. Yeah. Look, there's a lot of people that are inexperienced and they see, you know, they, they see these sort of overnight successes and you know, whatever is over. Right. Gonna... You know, they, they see the apes, they see, they see gutter cats, they see these big projects and that have, you know, people have, obviously made a lot of money at them and those sorts of things. And, and it's easy to be tempted by that. And I don't blame people for doing that. Look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be someone that, that shames anybody for getting in at the top and, and buying poorly because uh, I joined Top Shot in February of 2021 and proceeded to spend $6,000 on the Seeing Star set that's now valued at 1200. So I get it. Um, But you know, I, I do think that, yeah, I think there's going to be a time, hopefully not that far in the future, where, you know, the, the metaverse has matured and, and we see, you know, big games and, and big IP in there and and tons of users and all of that stuff. And people are going to look back on a time where the community was regularly handing out two and a half, three million dollars to anonymous people for art that they put together in five minutes and they're going to say like, what the hell was that? I mean, it's, it's basically like looking back on the ICOs in 2017 and 2018, right? Like people yeah. launched these trash coins, collected a bunch of money and then took off. And I'm sure that the same people that were launching those trash coins are, are, now are launching, are trash, launching NFTs. trash NFT projects, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny that history has this ability to like repeat itself in, in this cycle of, of 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 like sort of flushing out the stuff that's not going to last, and and then Adam, I, I also before we wrap up, I wanted to get your take on all things Yuga right now, given the fact that like they've made really really big moves uh, over the, I mean, and so you know you have the acquisition of the IP from Larva Labs, you have the other side coming out, which as a trailer, holy shit, man! I mean, yeah. you watch that trailer and your your head sort of explodes. Yeah. Like, um, you know, what's your thought on all things Yuga right now? And, and you know, is do you, do you look at this as good for the space or do you look at it like, oh, number one buying number two, this doesn't sound, you know, we should be worried about this. Like, what's your view? So I'll, I'll start with this. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about what VC money is going to do to Yuga Labs and to the metaverse, right? They, they announced a $450 million raise from, among others, Andreessen Horowitz and right, like big traditional venture capital entities um, that expect results and expect profits and and all of those things. So, I'll I'll acknowledge that you know uh, that gives me a little bit of pause, and but we'll put that to the side for now. My belief is that large institutions are coming to the metaverse. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. We don't know when. We don't know you know, what the conditions will be, but, you know, Facebook renamed itself to be metaverse ready. And there's, you know, more and more brands are announcing that, you know, presence partnerships with, with metaverse projects, whatever it is. So 
it's going to get corporate. We know this. It, I think a lot of people have, have been hoping that it would both grow exponentially and not get corporate. And I would point them to literally our entire society as evidence that that doesn't exist. Oh, and the metaverse is kind of like the, it's like a 6A game. Like, right. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. a massive undertaking. Yeah, it's a massive undertaking and it takes it takes massive capital to execute. Um, so I think big picture, Yuga Labs, I believe is as good a chance as anyone else, as anyone in Web3 has to really dictate what the metaverse looks like. Because if, if there are no large entities in Web3 when Facebook arrives, then Facebook is going to be the metaverse and they're going to crush everybody else. And as someone who thinks Facebook is one of the worst entities that exists on the planet, um, I don't want that. Um, I don't want them to build a walled garden. I don't want everyone in the metaverse to need a Facebook account. I don't, you know, I don't want to have to use their, their programming language. I don't, I, I don't want them to dictate the terms of the metaverse. And I think most people would agree with that. So to me, I think Yuga Labs, is it good for me personally? Yes, it is. You know, the bigger that Yuga gets, I think the more value Obviously, they will get value from it. Their, you know, their investors will get value from it. But I also genuinely believe that, you know, ape holders, mutant holders, dog holders, punk holders, me bits holders. I think value will will filter to them as well. So, it's beneficial to me personally for sure. But I, I also genuinely believe that if we want a metaverse that is decentralized and you know and that is open, I think some entities in web three will have to be somewhat centralized within themselves and will have to play ball with traditional power structures. And I, I, am cautiously optimistic that Yuga labs is the, the perfect entity to walk that line and to, to really make this space um, as great as it can be. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. And I was with a really, really smart duo of people having a delicious burger and a beer this weekend after the uh, Cannabis and Crypto Conference. And and uh, one of the people with me brought up something that I hadn't really thought about. And his perspective was, do not count out Microsoft in this. Microsoft yep. has pivoted how many times as a company Yep. And, and and done well and executed across a bunch of different strategies and tactics. And if you think that you can count them out of the metaverse play to get it right and do it well, um, you know, one would say that, like, I mean, Minecraft is their baby and, and they've been building on that forever. So um, that's yep. another one that I would say, like, I, I can't believe that there's nothing that they have up their sleeve or that they're developing and building. Well, look, well, they, they spent however many billions on Activision, like they, they were not going to buy that company without real metaverse plans in place. Like, you know, that's obviously going to be part of their of their plan. So so you're right. You know, so who do you want running the metaverse? Do you want it to be Microsoft? Do you want it to be Facebook or do you want it to be that Yuga Labs is sort of the first mover and dictates kind of what the what the market expectations are for how a company operates in Web3. Um, and, you know, yeah, they have VC backing, but they still have that Web3 ethos internally. 
And, you know, there's still an open platform. They still seemingly want to collab with other projects, right? And that other side teaser, Nouns was in there, Cool Cats was in there, you know, popular projects that they don't own. That was, to me, that was a signal of, hey, you know, everyone's welcome here. Everyone's going to be welcome in the other side. And when when it's Microsoft or, or it's Facebook or it's these other entities, I'm not sure that that's going to be the case. So, you know, I, I would sooner hitch my my wagon to Yuga than to anybody else. Great point. Uh, Adam Fish can be found on Twitter at at Keep Fishin and Fishin is F-I-S-C-H-I-N. Always a pleasure to have you on the podcast and uh, looking forward to getting you over to on-chain gaming uh, when you feel up for it. I'm sure there's going to be some Yuga con. You're going to probably be my when I started NFTs. You were my NBA Top Shot correspondent. Yes, uh, maybe you will be. Maybe you will be the Yuga Labs correspondent on on-chain gaming. Let's see what happens. Man. I like it. And anytime, uh, it is always a pleasure. All right, man. Take care. Thanks so much. You too. I want to thank Adam Fish for joining me on this week's episode of NFTeach. Stay tuned for uh, the first episode of OnChain Gaming coming this week on Friday, as well as the Aspen NFT Gaming Spotlight, which is going to be featuring Gods Unchained next Tuesday. Uh, for now, it's Dr. Jeremy signing off saying take care of yourselves and each other. 